From KOSU, this is Songwriters and Tour Writers. I'm Matthew Variapa. On this episode is country artist Tennessee Jet. When the Nashville night falls quiet And I have idle thoughts to kill My mind crawls to dark hollows Like a shiner to a still His newest album is an ode to country music, hence its name, The Country. Each song represents a different type of country music, from the 50s to outlaw to alt-country. Tennessee, who also goes by TJ, grew up with parents on the rodeo circuit. While he rode around in the truck, he listened to traditional country music on the radio. And for this album, he even covered his dad's favorite song, Poncho and Lefty, which also featured other artists like Cody Jenks, Elizabeth Cook, and Paul Cawthon. And with the addition of Dwight Yoakam's band, this once one-man act has definitely expanded. He talks about what it was like working with them, why he thinks female artists are writing most of the great songs in country music today, and explains the origin of his name. Tomorrow at the footsteps of my door And I miss you like the country Radio, don't play no more Aren't you living out in uh, Hugo right now? Yeah, right on the border of Oklahoma and Texas, a little town called Hugo, Oklahoma. It's Circus City, USA. It's kind of its moniker because in the... Uh, in the off season for the uh, circus, uh, a lot of the animals are uh, stored here. So there's so it's this little town southeast from Oklahoma, but there's elephants and acrobats uh, in the off season. So it's a really interesting place to live. I was in Nashville, and we just uh, we moved back here a couple of years ago. I'm out in the country, and uh, it's been nice, particularly in the last uh, the last few months since the pandemic has struck. Um, it's been nice to be in an area that pretty remote and, uh, and, and quiet, you know, you can kind of, uh, sit back and write songs and, and just try to enjoy the slow pace of life that is right now. Yeah. I was going to ask what it's like out there. I can't imagine it's affected the pace of life too much. No, uh, it really hasn't. Um, it's, it's like a lot of things though, you know, people are, people are so focused on, you know, their day-to-day living in the country. Um, you know, the bigger concern for somebody it's going to be, you know, am I going to make enough this week to pay for football cleats for my kid? You know, it's it, 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 it's it's, uh, it's real world problems as opposed to uh, a lot of things that might not really affect people, but that are that are, you know, talked about so much. So, uh, where did some of the songs on this new album get written? Well, uh, some of some of them are songs that I've had for years. Um, a good majority of them were probably wrote within you know, right before the record. And then one of the songs, Stray Dogs, which was the first single, was actually finished the day that I was recording the record. I had a skeleton of the song and an idea of where I wanted to go with and what I wanted to say, but it was probably about a third to a half the way written. And I like to put myself in positions sometimes where you can't be as critical on things uh, and you just have to create there in the moment. And sometimes you get really good results doing that. And that was a one of the times where that ended up working out really well. So I'm real proud of the way the song turned out, and it ended up being exactly what I wanted it to be. Creep this angel out the window, freewheeling 
until it scowled. I slithered down Laurel Canyon to Sunset Boulevard. Snow Indian Nation Turnpike. My wife and I, she's also my road manager. So we've, we've spent a lot of time in the car and the van just driving from, you know, South Dakota to California to New York. It's just all over the place. There's a lot of, there's a lot of time to just sit and think. We were running like two stray dogs chasing squirrels through the stones. The path across the graveyard spitting hellfire in our bones. You tore your favorite blimp. And I muddied up my boots We were pulling up our raisin By its Oklahoma roots You, you have a lot of time to evaluate things As far as like, you know, what you want to do Recording-wise and for your next record Songs you might want to write um, To ponder life things It's good to be alone out on the road For those types of things Get you out of the chaos of the everyday world. Time was on our side. The world was open wide. We were running like two stray dogs chasing squirrels through the stones. Be a path across the graveyard, spitting hell fire in our bones. You tore your favorite flint, and I'm muddying up my boots. Yeah, and the music video for that song just feels like so many uh, long road trips. Yeah, man, thanks for watching that. I had footage cobbled together over the years. And uh, when you're on the road, you know, you... You may have not showered for a couple of days. You, you you may have like uh, right after a gig driven for a few hours and then caught a, a couple hours sleep at a loves and then because you, you got to make the next gig and uh, and so it's not always pretty on the road and so I wanted the video to reflect that to really try to capture exactly what that feels like to be on the road and hopefully represent the song well. I'm really glad that it uh, I'm glad that that resonated with you because that was exactly what I was uh, going for. Well, I've studied like a writer. The expressions on your face Memorized its every curve I know someday the days will take Prepared my recollection Of the time I have killed I could learn you another lifetime But you'd mystify me still I remember oh so well The summer before we fell It also seems like you have your own dog. Well, that's Orson. He, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he doesn't travel as much now because it's so hot out. Um, well, now we're not traveling a whole lot, but he's a he's a he's a special part of our lives. You know, the thing about dogs is is they're just always there for you, just wanting to, you know, make you happy, uh, wanting to show you that you're loved and. He actually loves the pandemic because I'm home all the time. Was that kind of on-the-road lifestyle something that you were used to, seeing as your parents were on the rodeo circuit? Yeah, my parents my parents rodeoed, and the music that I grew up listening to was traditional country because that was always what they played in the truck. So that ended up shaping this record in a, in a great way. Matter of fact, when it came time to put a, a, a song on the record that was kind of in that gunfighter 
Marty Robbins type way. Um, I chose to go with Poncho and Lefty, which is actually my dad's favorite song. And uh, whenever uh, Cody Jenks was in the studio recording his part, uh, he revealed that that's also his favorite song. And uh, But I wanted to do it in a different way um, because I don't believe there's any reason in doing a cover song like the original because you're not going to top that version. Living on the road, my friend. And particularly when it's uh, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard singing it. And now you wear your skin like iron your breath is hard as kerosene for Jason Isbell's version of it weren't your mama's only boy but a favorite one it seemed or whether it's Emily Lou Harris's version of it she began to cry when you said goodbye uh, these are all amazing versions of the song so you wouldn't want to do a version uh, that is similar to any of those I just wanted to do it in a unique way and so that's when we chose to treat it more like a movie living on the my friend was gonna keep you free and clean now you wear your skin like iron your breath is hard as kerosene you want your mama's only boy but a favorite one to sing she began to cry when you said goodbye Sank into your dreams. Pato was a bandit boy. His horse was fast as polished steel. He wore his gun outside his pants. For all the honest world to feel. Pato met his match, you know, on the deserts down in Mexico. Nobody heard his dying word. That's the way you go. All the better, all they say. Could have had him any day. They only let him slip up. That song ended up turning out exactly how I was hoping it would. I produced it with a, a buddy of mine in, da in Dallas named Casey Diorio, and we really just embraced the thematic aspects of it, and we added trumpets to it. I played strings on a Mellotron, and I don't know if you're familiar with what a Mellotron is. It's a very early keyboard, but it actually triggers old tape samples. So there's actually people back in the day actually played string parts, but then they're tuned to the key that you're playing. And it just gives a really interesting movie effect, and it's real glitchy and real funky and uh, temperamental to play, but it just adds something that is human. Oh, it's tell how Poncho fell. Lucky's living in a cheap hotel The desert's quiet and Cleveland's cold So the story ends, we're told Aren't you need your prayers, it's true But save a few for Lefty too He only did what he had to do Aren't you need your prayers, it's true 
he's growing gold On the third of the road they say They could have had him any day They only let him go so long But a kindness I suppose Song is the thing that's going to last. Um, ultimately, artists will disappear. The songs, if they're good enough, will continue to be played. Hopefully, you know, for hundreds of years. A great song to me is a folk song, and folk songs are often, uh, as they're covered by people, as time goes on, they're slowly tweak and change, and words are either misheard or they're uh, interpret a different way. Songs are living things, and uh, ultimately the song is the thing that's going to outlast the artist. Let's talk about some of the other songs on this album. First off, were there any other uh, influences, uh, anything that you're listening to, reading, watching even, that made its its way onto this album? That's a great question, yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, influences, musical influences, there's a song there called Johnny, and it's a, it's, a, it's a story of Johnny Horton, you know, the, the country artist in the 50s. He wrote Honky Tonk Man that Dwight Yoakam would later do. I'm a honky tonk man, and I can't seem to stop. But he had a really crazy life. And I was watching something on, uh, like, uh, on one of those shows that's kind of like a mystery type show. And they were talking about Johnny Horton and that he had a premonition of his death. I'm living fast and dangerously, but I've got plenty of company when the moon comes. It really fascinating. He, he was actually leaving uh, the same club that Hank Williams uh, last played um, before he died, and they were both married to the same woman, uh, not at the same time, obviously, because that'd be real weird. So there was all these weird coincidences and just uh, and, and interesting things about Johnny Horn's life. So. I knew I wanted to write a song about Johnny Horton, but when it came to the music part of it, I wanted it to be something that was not very Johnny Horton sounding. I thought that would be a little bit too on the nose um, if I just did something that sounded like 50s country. And so I thought, what is the most out there approach that I can take to this that might get the song across? And so I ended up writing uh, the music part of it uh, more in the vein of something more in the vein of Nirvana or what Kurt Cobain may have how he may have approached the song. And so that was the song on the record that ended up being the alt-country song. Because every song on the record is a different type of country music, which is why it's called the country. But I wanted to have a variety within that. Damn that skyline club, that swerving pickup truck. The tunnel was a rubber and came 
within country you can do a lot of different variations of it. There's a bluegrass song, there's a folk country song, there's 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s country, there's Americana, but it's all under the umbrella of what I would call country music and the country music that I love. So that was one way that it directly influenced uh, that record. Um, other than that, I think just the, the cinematic approach. I'm a big fan of uh, Stanley Kubrick and Ennio Morricone. Um, I, I'm probably just as much, if not more, influenced by cinema as I am music. And so when it comes to certain themes, especially on Poncho and Lefty, uh, I leaned heavily on my influence of film uh, over music to try to make it unique. Uh, in terms of Stray Dogs, um, I don't know that I would have written that song exactly the way that I did. Uh, if I hadn't been so influenced by John Steinbeck and in particularly um, East of Eden, it's just a very Oklahoma to California. And that song to me represents a, a time when uh, my wife and I moved to California for a couple of years. And I just really immersed myself into John Steinbeck and his writings. And uh, and then it's become one that I just went back and I'll reread or all you can even go back and just reread certain chapters. And it's just, it's so inspiring uh, from a, a writing standpoint, a lyrical standpoint, um, there's probably been a lot of songs that I've written um, in certain ways purely because of reading that book and letting it influence me. Yeah, do you feel like the language of it just reads uh, musically to you? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, it, well, it would read like a very long song. Steinbeck will, go, will take pages to describe something like a smile on someone's face. And I think maybe just for me, uh, because my mind is just constantly just running, um, I can absorb things a little bit whenever they're when they're over described, um, to put it you know bluntly, and just the way that he approaches explaining things and people. Um, I think to be a great writer, you've got to you've got to be fascinated uh, with people and uh, what motivates them and uh, their intentions behind things and uh, the good and the bad in them. And I think that that book really does a great job of of getting down to the nitty gritty on, you know, what makes people tick in a lot of ways. And, and the characters that he uh, writes are just super believable. You don't, you know, it's a book obviously. So you, you're, it's left to your imagination what these characters look like, but just as in a, a great song, a lot of times there's, there's certain details, but the, but what that person looks like in your, in one person's head uh, can be totally different than what it looks like in someone else's head. And neither people are wrong. And that's another thing that I love about the songs is they can be interpreted so many different ways. There's the artist's intention of how they want the song to be interpreted. Um, but ultimately, you don't really have control over how the song is going to be interpreted. And in, in, in a lot of instances, uh, you, do, you do a disservice by over-explaining to people what a certain song might be about. I think it's good to describe broad strokes. And sometimes maybe you want to get a little bit more technical. But for the most part, um, I don't want to take that away from a listener if they have something if I write a song and they interpret it one way, but it means something to them and it's a positive thing, even though I may have intended it to be a totally different meaning in the song, it's not really for me to tell that person they're wrong for thinking of a song in a certain way. Yeah. And, uh, talking about reinterpretations, you had mentioned like that there was a bluegrass song on this album and it's a bluegrass cover of a black crow song. Yes. She talks to angels. Yeah. Never mentions the word addiction. When I first got the idea of doing that, um, the initial thing was 
seriously, you're going to cover a Black Crow song? How are you going to do? How are you going to bring anything to that song? So for me, it was totally taking that song in a in a in a totally different direction because if if I would have done a version of that song that was kind of the the slow burn uh, blues inspired version of that song, uh, it just wouldn't have worked. Um, people may have liked it, but they would have liked it purely because of the song. But I wanted to bring something to that song to show people how great the song was. Um, but at the same time, just totally stay out of the Black Crows' lane. She never mentions the word addiction In certain company Yeah, she'll tell you she's an orphan I wanted a bluegrass slash hillbilly song on the record, and that song works so well uh, in that way when you really pick up the tempo and, and bring in those other instruments. Uh, it just seemed like a no-brainer. And then whenever Elizabeth Cook added her harmony part on top of it, it just kind of really made the song uh, feel finished. She paints her eyes black as night now She pulls the shades down tight She gives me a smile when the pain comes The pain gonna make everything all right Yeah, and it seems like kind of the opposite of what you had done with Johnny, where you were taking a subject matter that was very traditional, I guess, and adding that harder alternative edge to it. And then with the Black Crows, you were taking something that was harder and making it more traditional. Man, that's awesome that you picked up on that, uh, because yeah, it's a uh, it was it was kind of they're both like kind of an inversion of, of the idea. I don't have any interest in in making music. But I don't feel like be inspiring or, or challenge or feel fresh. Even if I'm doing something that's traditional, because the world doesn't really, there's a lot of songs the world just frankly doesn't really need any more of. And so as a songwriter, you're always trying to find songs that um, you don't have to totally reinvent the wheel, uh, but it doesn't hurt to maybe change the rims on it every now and then. You're listening to Waymore's Blues featuring Cody Jenks. If you're liking the show so far, consider leaving us a rating or a review, or let us know on social media. You can reach me on Twitter at Matthew V-I-R-I. Coming up next, TJ talks about what it's like working with Cody and getting Dwight Yoakam's band on his record. All of that and more right after this break. You had mentioned earlier that you wrote some of these songs with Cody Jenks, but what was that process kind of like? Yeah, Cody, well, he's a, he's a really great friend, and I don't honestly co-write that often. I'm not a real big fan of co-writing. It's a whole different way of writing a song than when you're writing a song alone. Uh, there's a lot of compromise that goes into it. Um, and in some ways, it can the song can be written faster, but in a lot of ways, it can just kind of bog it down as well. So you've really got to be careful with who you co-write with. And so for me, um, it's going to be probably someone that I that I know pretty well. 
um, and that we have a lot of similar tastes in certain ways. And, uh, you know, I might want to write with somebody that is into some types of music that I'm not really into, but not because they're not great, but just because I'm not as familiar with them. So it's kind of interesting for me to write with someone that's a little bit more outside of a certain genre. Uh, with Cody, we're great friends, and uh, we wrote a song called Lifers that ended up being a title track to a record of his. And that was the first thing we wrote. So from then on, it was just kind of, we just get together and write. We usually write songs really quickly. I think I think I had six or seven songs on on his last couple records between the two of them. And two of them, like the, uh, we wrote in like an hour. Uh, we just sat down and, and a song called The Wanting and then another song called The Raven and the Dove, which is on my record as well. We wrote both those songs at the same table uh, in South Texas in like an hour. It was just for some people, you just together and it's just easy to write with just kind of on the same page and Cody's one of those people and he's you know a real well-read songwriter uh who knows exactly what he wants out of a song it was real easy to kind of come up with what we were going to be writing that day um and the raven and the dove ended up being one of those perfect co-writes in the sense that um I relate to the song just as much as he does um so it made sense to put it on my record as well um I cut a lot different version than his I like both the versions for different reasons um I would say mine is more more like how we wrote it that day I have prayed for wisdom Now I pray for peace But his version is uh is really cool in that it's a uh it's it's much more kind of a really late night drunken barroom thing kind of as the sun's coming up I stay imprisoned in my conscience Trying to figure what Mine's after the sun's already come up a little bit. You've had a little time to reflect. That's one of the things I love about songs is you can give them different uh, interpretations with the way that you produce them. Like in songs can sound, you know, so much different. Like, you know, she talks to angels or like my version of Poncho, same kind of thing. Um, I'm just fascinated first with song and then it all stems from there. Some days a raven, some days a dove. Some days a dark cloud hanging round. Others in the light of love I've been scuffed up by the devil But I'm washed in the blood Some days a raven Some days a dove Yeah, I guess he cut more of the raven side of the song while you did more of the, the dove. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but... Um... Yeah, that is a that's, a that's a great way of putting it. Uh, on my production, the number two was kind of the the driving force. You may question how I'm living. You know, being the raven, the dove, and that dichotomy. Um, there were so many things that that ended up guiding the production. Other than the rhythm section, uh, there's only two lead instruments. There's the harmonica being one, and the pedal steel being the other. So one of those could be the raven, one of those can be the dove. Get my dreaming from my mama I get the fight from my old man I don't always know where I'm going And uh, it was just really going off, playing off that whole sense of duality. There's no harmonies on it, but there's a double vocal, so there's essentially two uh, vocals on the chorus. Some days a raven, some days a dove some days a dark cloud hanging round, others in the light of love. I've been scuffed up by the devil, but 
Yeah, I was kind of interested in your take on co-writing since I was looking through your Instagram and you had kind of called out one of the bigger country records and how they had maybe something like five co-writers on a song. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was a, there was nine on it, uh, which is just, I don't even know how you, how you get that many people in the room. But uh, I, I really think that it's, uh, however, whatever it takes to get a great song, um, whether that's one writer or whether it's nine writers, um, it's not really for me to judge. If a song is great, a song is great. I personally think that uh, the fewer writers, the better the chance the song is going to be something lasting. Think I'll start smoking cigarettes till my throat sounds like a nervous wreck. Uh, you know, novels aren't co-written for the most part. All the great novels and like like American literature, um, you know, one person's writing writes those. I was born in Alabama in a shotgun shack. Slave driver and a heart attack. At sixteen, I went Kerouac. The past was mine for the taking. Think I'll throw away my razor, put on a few pounds. The town that produces those types of songs that I was talking about, um, just the kind of the system that they're in is going to be. Um, there, there's going to be so much uh, politics being played, and that's why there's so many people in all those songs is because the, everyone's just trying to get a song cut. So a lot of times the more writers on a song, the more avenues you have to try to get that song uh, placed somewhere. You've got, you know, it's just more more of a team out there working that song. And I think it's actually watered down and hurt um, the quality of songs. Think I'll throw away my racer and put on a few pounds. Taking some years, but I'm coming around. All I need's a habit to say that I kicked. I'll write a new record, then I'll buy me a hit. I read Bound for Glory and on the road. Not enough to know, but enough to quote. I'm feeling entitled to an inside joke to tell it as my own. Nashville has got the most talented writers uh, in the world, just amazing songwriters. The problem is most of them are semi-retired right now because they're just not going to write kind of the modern pandering bro country type of songs um, for lack of better words there's still there's still really good songs in my opinion that every now and then sneak through um, the majority of the songs right now at least in my opinion you would hear in Nashville are going to be written by female artists and, and my guess on this is because they're they just don't have any time nor any desire to write bro country type music there's just there's no reason for them to do that so they're not going to be pressured from a business standpoint to do something like that. And so the result of that is they just write great songs uh, from their perspective. And it's perspective that's really lacking. There's not much of a female perspective uh, in country music right now on mainstream radio. And that's one of the things that's made it so great. Uh, you know, the Dolly Parton's and Loretta Lynn's and this, all these classic 
you know, female artists, artists non-existent right now for the most part. And uh, I think that's a big problem with why uh, a lot of people feel disenfranchised by country music. And that's the big reason why I wrote this record um, was for those people to just feel like, well, this isn't, this doesn't mean anything to me. There's no substance behind what I'm hearing on the radio. And um, I love country music. I love things that not only speak about, you know, Saturday night and having a great time and, and cutting loose, but also speaks about sin and redemption and the downtimes, you know, and the, 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 the sadder things in life, you know, because that's real life and that's what country music is to me. It's the, it's all of it. It doesn't just have to limit itself to just a good time. I'll write a new record and I'll buy me a hit. You can call me a man or a son of a bitch. I get the feeling you can't tell which is which. I'm cashing in what's left of my chips and calling off this mission and I won't forget to close the door and I won't regret you anymore I'm sending your memories off to war without a lick of anger in kind of the opposite direction you've been performing as a one-man band for the last couple of years yeah yeah i've been doing it for about a uh i guess about six years and um kind of made two records uh where i played everything and uh that was really just all about trying to just be creative and uh and just push myself and challenge myself to um, break down songs and deconstruct them and, and and to learn more about what makes them tick and what makes certain productions work. But after a couple records, I really wanted to go in the studio and paint with some more colors. And so for me, that meant, you know, finding an existing band uh, that only played well together and uh, that had a shorthand with each other um, that I felt would, would suit the songs that uh, I had for this record well. And so that ended up being Dwight Yoakam. I'm friends with uh, with Mitch, uh, Dwight's drummer, who has been for you know a long time, and so I called him up just first, asking if he wanted to just play on the record, and uh, and he was like, "Yeah, man, I'm in." Um, and he said, "You want me to uh, ask the rest of the guys?" Well, yeah, that makes it easy. Let's uh, you know love their plan. So just like that, kind of my most of my work was already done for me, thanks to Mitch. And uh, so I was able to go in there and really kind of record, even though we'd only ran through the songs, we had a short rehearsal the night before, and then we recorded all, all those songs that they ended up playing on uh, in the next two days. We just slammed through. I think we did five or six songs a day. And uh, that's the bulk of the record. And so it was, a, it was a really cool experience. It was real. There was a lot of time to sit and, and overthink things. And uh, it turned out just how I wanted it to, which feels like a band playing the songs that I had.
Why did you feel the initial need to like kind of do everything solo, do everything yourself? The first record, in particular, the self-titled record,、um, was all over the map musically. So the idea was kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to get in the studio and just、uh, have no limitations from a genre standpoint of what I wanted to create. It was going to be very like a mixtape. Jesus loves me, this I know. But Johnny Walker's one devil I can't let go. Whatever would come into my head, I just felt like, hey, I'm going to write this song that day and let myself be influenced by the certain sounds that I was getting in the studio. I just wanted to put something out. What kind of man loves a bottle that way? What kind of man loves a bottle that way? For me, at least, it works really well to kind of constantly challenge and examine what you're doing, and to make sure that you're not getting stale and、uh, doing the same thing over and over and over.、Um, although that might be like a, a good strategy in a lot of ways from a business standpoint to kind of repeat yourself because it makes it kind of easy to continue to tell the same story. I've never been one that felt comfortable repeating myself. It's a different road, in certain ways more difficult, but at least for me, it's a lot more fulfilling in that way because we're just not on. We're just not on this earth very long, so I don't. I kind of want to continue to like reach and grow. Now I'm here on bended knee, and I'm doing my best just to believe. I just call your name, and my debt is paid. What kind of God loves a sinner? Show me what kind of God loves a sinner that way. Jesus loves me, this I know. With the addition of Dwight Yoakam's band for this record, was that something you were thinking of、uh, adding in,、uh, just more of a full band experience? Yeah. Now. The crazy thing about this is releasing a record during the、uh, pandemic.、Uh, this would have been toured、uh, with a full band, and then the pandemic hits, and so that just locks everything up. And so I don't know that depending on、uh, how things are going to play out, I might be going out there and playing, you know, one man band or solo acoustic shows, depending on、uh, the capacities that are allowed and the whole type of restrictions that we have.、Um, but that's certainly something that、uh, was the intention on this record. And、uh, will be the intention in the future is to incorporate bigger sound.、Um, I will probably always continue to do the one-man band thing within that show. As、uh, the last year, up until the pandemic, it was both. I would, I would do a, you know, the bulk of the set with my band, and then I would play the end of the uh, night uh, as one-man band. I'm、um, just so it was just kind of like would satisfy all the different types of uh, uh, songs and, and sounds that I'd、uh, put on records. One thing that I kind of、uh, skipped over in asking you about was the origin of your name, and why you decided to adopt Tennessee Jet. Because it's not like your real name, is it? No,、uh, the、uh, well TJ is. So when people say like, "Well, hey, what do you want me to call you?" I just say, "Well, just call me TJ." You know,、uh, it's always been my been my name. But it can get this is kind of a longer kind of philosophical thing. But just in terms of of the artist and 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 the artist art. I've always felt like、uh, the thing that's going to live on is, is the work,、um, more so than the person. 
And uh, I really wanted to have a moniker that was separate from who I am, the person that, you know, lives day-to-day life like like everyone else. Um, but when I'm on stage or when I'm making records, I wanted that to represent something. It was not beholden to, you know, me when I'm going to the grocery store or me when I'm just, you know, around town. And so uh, I wanted to come up with something that would separate me from, from that um, and represent represent that idea of creativity and uh kind of losing that sense of self um for a, for the purpose of uh, creating lasting art used to dream of fame and fortune i used to want to be a star i just feel like nowadays and i think maybe it's because of uh shows like american idol or the voice um, the, the influx of reality TV um, meshing with uh, things that used to be where the art used to lead the way um, has, has made story um, the primary motivation for the way that people are viewing art. Now I'd rather be a no one If I ain't someone to you well, I have traded many memories and i actually think that it's a real it's backwards i i feel like uh who someone is can enhance the art after you've already appreciated the art with uh with fresh eyes with no preconceived notions of what that is supposed to be um and then later you can like go oh okay now tell me about this painter and you might go you know what after seeing the art now i see how that may have influenced the painter and i have an even more rich experience with this piece whereas if you go into it uh, with any preconceived notions because um, you know too much about the artist, uh, then you're going to view the art differently. Just like in, a, in, in an experiment when something's being observed, you know, it can skew the results of that experiment. And so for me, I really just try to separate uh, who I am or, or anything that I've, I've done um, with the art. I made my way out of the honky-tonk to learn their own bones. So if one day I finally make it If this foolish dream comes true Just know I'd rather be a no one If I ain't someone to you And if those things are out there, I and mean, people can go and they can, you know, look up any band that I've been in before, or, you know, my real name and all this stuff. This is no big secret. It's just a matter of if someone's listening to my music for the very first time, I would love it if they just went in there with fresh ears. You know the song Fast Car, uh, Tracy Chapman, right? If you didn't know anything about Tracy Chapman going into that song, you're going to listen to that song purely from a song standpoint. You might not know if that's a man or a woman singing the song because her voice is such a kind of ethereal thing. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. They almost get where there's this, they're almost genderless in the, in the way that that voice can, can sound. 
And so it's going to be a, a very unique experience if you don't have any preconceived notions of that artist. And uh, nowadays it's gotten so much to the point where if someone came in and there was song A was written by someone that maybe had lived on the streets um, for 15 years um, and just kicked a heroin addiction, um, it's going to play you a song and you're going to hear it in a certain way. If that exact same song is played by someone that maybe grew up in the Hamptons and lived their life on a yacht, you're going to hear a song in a different way. But honestly, the song should be the thing that, that guides you, regardless of the uh, of the artist first. Um, and I don't like going to any song either with a, a notion that like, oh, I'm going to like this song because of this, or I'm going to dislike this song because of this. Um, because ultimately, the, the art's really all that matters to me. I'm not going to lie. The first time I had seen your name, the fact that it was like a country artist who had a southern state as a stage name it did give me some hannah montana things but it does actually seem closer to your reality than expected where it is kind of distancing the person and the musical act with a persona yeah or maybe i'm miley cyrus and this is just another name that i've come up with to trick you <laughs> some of these topics can get pretty uh heady and uh for lack of a better term pretentious uh to to people upon first hearing about it and i get that i understand it and there's still maybe people that are just saying like eh, i don't know it's not i don't get it and that's fine that's totally cool um but uh but it really does come from a place of just trying to um let the art lead the way and try to affect people in a in a positive way and give them an experience that i that i hope that they have listening to this music and was the tennessee after you had uh, moved to nashville yeah i was in nashville at the time and uh, I felt that uh, Tennessee is just kind of a, a classic sounding name, a, a traditional in a sense. And the word jet is just a fast moving and uh, more looking towards the future. And so it seemed like a good combination for the type of thing that I wanted to do. So funny because it's only been, uh, you know, five, six years. But, uh, but now it's almost like the name has become something that I just associate with my name. It's, it's really strange how that kind of happened. It was a little strange at first when people would, I'd be at a show and people would say, Hey, Tennessee. But now it's actually become where it's just like, I just answer to it. It feels just as a, you know, it feels like my name. So it's very, uh, it's an interesting, uh, how that happens. Was there anything next after this record? Did you have any other plans? Yeah, I've got some things in the, in, in the works. Um, I'm always recording, so there's always kind of that next thing in the back of my mind. But for right now, it's really just a matter of uh, getting this out and, and, and getting as many people in this uh, current crazy times that we live in to, to hear it, and then uh, hopefully they'll it'll resonate with them. And uh, it's just my uh, it's just uh, my love of the different types of country music that I that I like, and appreciate you letting me talk to you about it. The sound and the fury, Faulkner and Macbeth. A lifetime's worth of chances Regrets fatal breath It's a curse, it's a sickness This schizophrenic muse Love for me will always be A sparkling, burning fuse The music's getting louder But the bones are feeling old I got a head full of metal But a heart of country gold and time crawls in circles Makes it so damn hard to lose Your love for me will always be A spark and burning fuse 
You can find out more about Tennessee Jet at KOSU.org, as well as the full list of songs that were played in this episode. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find No Cover wherever you listen to podcasts. Start for revenge. It seems every new beginning's just a means to an end. Well, I thought you two existence, but you must have thought me too. For love for me will always be a sparkling, burning fuse. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Variapa.